You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. No. This is Creepy, a podcast dedicated to sharing the most famous, chilling, and disturbing creepypastas and urban legends in the world. Whether these stories truly happened or are simply fabrications is for you to decide. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Creepy presents 50 Foot Ant's first story. Credited to 50 Foot Ant on something awful. And narrated by Atticus Jackson. Chapter 25 The light hit the thing on top of me square. And it looked up into the lights, dark black circles around those even darker pits that were supposed to pass for eyes. The jaws gaped open and hissed, spittle flying out from between the jagged black teeth and spattering on my face, freezing my skin even deeper than the snow that had blown in and begun to cover me. In a white blur, he was gone. Nothing more than a malevolent shadow that dissolved as soon as the light touched it, but my face still burned where those cold talons had traced over it. I was aware I was crying silent tears, laying in the snow at the bottom of the stairwell, with an icicle jammed through my shoulder, spreading cold through my whole body. Boots landed next to my face, and I braced myself for another kick, more punishment. Nasty little boys need punished. Oh, shit, I think he's dead. Carter said, leaning down and looking in my eyes. He was pale and glanced up and down my body. I knew he was looking out the door for Tandy. I exhaled slowly, struggling to breathe. I was tired. So tired. And it was a monumental effort to drag air into my frozen lungs. And I was so tired that the cold air being pulled past my teeth didn't even hurt. Didn't spark the slightest pain. He's alive. He just breathed. Hernandez said. Grab him. We gotta get him upstairs. Hands grabbed me. But all I could do was stare at the ceiling. Shit, he's heavy. Carter griped. Try having him on top of you. Nagel popped back, and the other two chuckled. My Nancy. My view tilted, and it got dark again, but without the white sparks that meant I was blind. 
I could see the backspill of reflected light from the flashlight as they carried me up the flight of stairs. You two got him? Nagel asked, and I heard them both grunt. There was a scream of frozen metal opening, and we moved through the windy room. There was a hammering at the door. John, open the door, Nagel pleaded. John, please. The door locks clicked, and I was enveloped by a cushioning warmth that surrounded me and lifted me up. Is that a fucking bayonet? John asked, breathing hard. Yes, Nagel snapped. Set him on the table. Get his knife out of his hand. I felt fingers prying open mine, but I was unable to help. All I could do was stare up at the ceiling. Prop his feet up. Hernandez, you hold his legs. Nagel ordered, moving around to my left side. My knife was pulled from my hand. Got it, Carter said. Give it to me, said Nagel. I love you. Bomber, get the medical kit. Carter, hold his left arm. I'm going to need you to kind of hold his arm and lay on his chest at the same time when I tell you. Nagel ordered. I felt tugging on my jacket and then heavy denim ripping. Jesus, it went all the way through. Bomber said. His face appeared and he grinned at me. I blinked and he put his hand on my head. This is going to hurt a lot, Ant. He told me. The icicle in my shoulder wiggled. I blinked again, my vision darkening in whirls of black and white static. I felt my jacket open and my shirt pull open. Thank God, Nagel whispered. What? asked Carter. That's not his blood, she said, pulling my shirt back down. More denim ripping. Then I felt my sleeve pull off slowly, exposing my arm. John, hold his arm right at the bicep. And put your other hand on his chest. Watch his head. I don't think he can take much more damage there. He can take it. John grunted, staring down at me. My friends aren't pussies. The absolute sincerity and confidence only a Texan can have. Hold him, Nagel said and the icicle started to slide out of my shoulder. I just laid there, staring at the ceiling, as the icicle slowly drew out of my flesh, leaving behind a cold feeling that I knew was a layer of frost inside the wound. I love you, Nagel's voice down the stairwell. What the fuck? John blurted. Frostbite. He's got frostbite in the wound. Damn it. Nagel bitched. He was down there too long. The icicle sliding into the wound, freezing my flesh, then pulling free, followed by an obscene sucking sound. I think it missed the artery. God damn, he's a lucky one, Nagel said. I felt something poke into my skin. It stretched, and then something thin and cold lanced through the skin. This is the best I can do. We'll just have to hope he doesn't bleed out. Scalding hot droplets of water were hitting my chest, sliding down my pectoral into my armpit and burning my skin along the way. Roll him over, Nagel said. Watch his head. I was limp as the hands moved me, 
and once again the thin sliver of ice moved through my skin, dragging a red-hot wire behind it. Why isn't he moving? Hernandez asked. He's in shock, and if he doesn't have hypothermia, he's goddamn close. Nagel answered. All right, roll him over and strip him naked. Use the knife to cut his jacket and shirt off. I could feel my boots being unlaced and pulled off, and my socks. My pants were pulled down, boxers and all. I could feel my jacket. The jacket Nancy bought me in Frankfurt when we went to Oktoberfest being cut away. I was being picked up, cradled by strong arms, and I was staring at the ceiling again. John, strip. Nancy ordered. What? Why? Palmer asked. You're running a fever. I need you to help me warm him up. Nancy said, her voice brooking no argument. Be some goddamn use, you inbred hick. Hey. John's voice sounded wounded as I was set down on something soft and warm. Why isn't he blinking? Carter asked. It's really creepy. Nagel sighed and I can hear her coming closer. Feel her coming closer. My Nancy. Brain damage, I think. She paused and her warm hand touched my face, closing my eyes. As soon as she let go, my eyes opened, and I was looking into her face, framed by her auburn hair. Get the medical tape. We need to tape his eyes shut. No. I felt burning hot legs next to mine, and someone radiating heat like a furnace lay down next to me, hair rubbing against my arm as a thick arm threw itself over my chest. You better be wearing boxers, fucker. Another body slid in next to me, and I felt it shiver. <sighs> He's fucking freezing. A hand passed a roll of tape to a petite hand with blackened fingernails. The tape vanished, and I heard a tearing noise. Nancy's fingers brushed my eyes closed, then medical tape covered them. Is he gonna be okay? Hernandez asked. He's it. Of course he will be. Bomber choked. Bomber? Nagel said, her warm breath tickling my cheek. Yeah, Nagel? I felt John shift. Get your goddamn hand off my tit. John's laughter echoed in my head as I lay in the darkness. I'll take first watch. You guys get some sleep. Hernandez said. You get all the fun, Nancy breathed in my ear. I'm the one who wants to be sandwiched. Her words chased me down into darkness. Hello, Bill Band here from the All 80s Movies Podcast to tell you about Factor Meals. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. 
We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 and use code 80smovies50 to get 50% off. That's code 80smovies50 at factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 to get your 50% off today. Chapter 26 Pain. Pain woke me up. My mouth throbbed. My head was a storm of agony. My shoulder was on fire. My ribs felt like they'd been caved in. And someone was moving my left arm, making my elbow grind and scream in pain. I was blind again, my eyes refusing to open. I tore my right arm out of the grip and swung it, hitting something soft but firm. My hand grabbed my wrist and pulled my arm back down. God damn it, you pussies, hold him! A woman's voice snapped out. God damn it, I wish I'd known it was dislocated. Stay down, damn it, aunt! A man growled, and I bellowed as I snatched my arm out of the grip and swung again, hitting something solid. Someone cursed, and I dropped my arm down to my waist, fumbling for my knife. The hands grabbed my forearm, yanking my hand away and pinning it to the floor. Get the fuck off me! I roared, bucking, trying to get them off. Trying to get Tandy off of me. Hold still, Aunt. I've got to set your elbow. Nancy said, and I felt a bare foot slide into my armpit. Two small hands had a hold on my wrist. For fuck's sake, hold on to him. He's going to go berserk. There was a sudden yank, and my elbow flared. I screamed, kicking, fighting to get loose. I felt someone throw themselves across me, firm breasts pressing against my chest and lips mash against mine. My Nancy. It hurt. Fiery agony but I wrapped my arms around her warm body and did my best to hug her, to hold her tight to me. I love you, I managed to say, talking against her lips. You gonna live, brother? Balmer asked me. The hands let go of my legs. They think I'm blind, I said. Nancy giggled against me. Then I felt her hands on my face, pulling something away that burned. Light burned into my eyes, and I winced, blinking at it. Bright, I said stupidly. Nagel shaded my eyes, and her face slowly came into focus. Blink for me, she said. I did, looking at her oddly. Hey, don't laugh. We had to tape your eyes shut. Get me up, I said, trying to push her off of me. Get me on my feet. Aunt, no, you need to lay down. She held my face gently in her hands. You have a soft spot on the back of your head. Dude, you shouldn't even be alive. Carter said from beyond my sight. We thought you were dead when we found you. He fucked you up good. I remember the feeling of my Gerber sinking into his stomach, the way I twisted it, and the way he spit blood into my face, and I grinned. What's so funny? Nagel asked. No, he's fucked. I answered. I got him, 
stabbed him low in the gut. I stared into her brown eyes. Get me up, I told her. She bit her lip and shook her head. Fine, but if you so much as wobble, you lay back down, she said, helping me sit up. I managed to not throw up or pass out, but my vision blacked out for a moment. Bomber was sitting next to me, his face covered in sweat, wearing a pair of BDU pants and a brown shirt. He had his arms crossed over his stomach and was rocking faintly back and forth. I could hear Carter was digging through the MREs, bitching about the ones that were left. Hernandez was overchanging the gas can on the stove. I could tell by the sound and the fact that his blob was browner than everyone else. How you feeling? She asked. Thirsty. I told her. She smiled, went over and got a canteen, tipping it into my mouth. The water tasted sweet. We're out of MREs, Carter said, coming back. This is the last one. Fuck. Ant and Bomber need the food. They're hurt pretty bad, Nancy said. The blob that was Carter made a motion that I assumed was a nod. Who goes to get it? Carter asked. There was a long moment of silence. Fine, you assholes, I will, Nancy said, standing up. I'll go with you, I said, trying to get up. Lay back down or I'll kick you in your melon head, Nancy threatened. I held up a hand and laid back down on my back, watching Nancy turn into a blur. Hernandez, want to go with me? She asked. No, but I will. He answered. I watched the blur that was Nancy get dressed, finally putting on a parka. A rumble made the building shake. I squinted as Nagel and Hernandez moved up to the doors, Hernandez unlocking it and pulling them open. Outside the door, in the snow, was a half-built snowman. Only the first two spheres sat. The third, the smallest, was on the floor with a blur on top of it. The form was bent next to it, bent over, an OD green blur. Nagel didn't say a word, just stepped forward, swinging the axe as the figure jerked up. It sounded like someone dropping a watermelon when the axe hit. Nagel shrieked, a high triumphant sound, and kicked him off the axe. He pitched over backwards as she straddled his body. She raised the axe, and he held his hands up wordlessly, his hands trembling as he begged her silently not to do it. Right before she brought the axe down between them, she planted her foot on him, yanking the axe free in a spray of feathers and blood, and hit him again, and again. She yanked the axe free, taking a step to the side and leaning on it, breathing heavily. Fuck you! And your snowman, she snarled. Two days later, Bomber was delirious, crying out to his mother, yelling at his sister and talking to his father. I was in constant pain and had pissed blood several times in between. Carter was silent, withdrawn, and refused to leave the light of the lantern. Hernandez hovered over the stove, practically snarling at anyone who came close. Jacobs had died in the night quietly passing away while I was asleep. He'd never regained consciousness after the axe had hit him, 
and he'd been cold before we realized he was dead when Nancy went to change his IV. She'd cried for over an hour after she had covered his face with the blanket once Carter and Hernandez had moved him over by Lewis. During the night, various people would knock on the door and demand, ask, or plead with us to open it. We'd often hear scratching outside the door. The wind screamed, sobbing echoed throughout the room, and footsteps thudded above and below us. Since just after daylight, we'd been hearing shouting, banging, and raised voices. We weren't falling for that old bullshit. Nancy was laying next to me, her hand cupping my cheeks. She'd had a crying jag the night before, and I'd held her. She was smiling into my eyes, her brown eyes warm, and every once in a while she'd lean forward and kiss my lower lip, gentle and careful of my split lips. It didn't matter that I could hear screaming outside the door, the thudding of boots on the ceiling or crashing below us. It didn't matter who was begging, demanding, ordering at the door. She was warm in my arms, both of us only dressed in t-shirts under the blankets. And that was all that mattered. My Nancy. There was a banging on the door, and a voice bellowed out over the wind. Bellowed something new. U.S. Rangers! Anyone alive? We all stared at one another. Carter shook his head and mouthed don't open the door to all of us. We all nodded, staring at the door. My hand fumbled out and I grabbed my knife, trying to get my hand to wrap around the hilt. Nagel sat up and grabbed a bayonet. Hernandez and Carter grabbed axes. U.S. Rangers, is there anyone alive in here? I stood up, Nagel next to me, and we stepped between John and the door, uncaring that we were only wearing t-shirts. Hernandez and Carter moved up next to me, both of them clad only in boxers. Yeah, right. Rangers my ass. We weren't falling for that bullshit. We're coming in! The doors burst open, and we all raised our weapons. Bright lights blinded us, and I dropped my knife, covering my face as my vision went gray and black, staggering as my center of balance skewed. We've got some live ones! Someone yelled out, Drop your weapons! Another one yelled. I felt Nancy pull my arm over her shoulders, and I stood there, in the darkness, as boots thudded on the padded floor. Get a medic up here! Someone yelled. And I felt hands grab me, and heard Nagel snarl at someone to get the fuck off. She went down on the floor with me, pulling me tight against her. Ma'am, set down the knife, let us take care of him. No, no, you can't take him. She sobbed, but I heard something thunk right before both of her arms tightened around me. Ma'am, you have to let us take him. No, you can't have him. Nancy sobbed, holding tighter. Hands pulled us apart, and Nagel was crying as I was being laid back. What the fuck happened here? Someone above me asked. Tandy. I whispered. The door to the hospital room opened, and someone new walked in. Nancy had visited me, and usually come back by despite visiting hours, sneaking in and laying in the bed with me. Balmer stopped by every day, bouncing back faster than me. I'd been questioned on what had happened, 
but told them I couldn't remember anything. I told them that the last thing I remembered was Fulda, and then waking up in the hospital. I lied. In the doorway stood a total stranger in BDUs, a large man. He filled the doorway, shined boots to blonde flat top over six foot tall. As he got closer, I noticed he wore staff sergeant rank on his collar and a knife in his boot. The left side of his face was scarred up, and he wore an eye patch. He was smiling as he came in and sat down. One of the rangers? How you doing, Aunt? He asked me, reaching out and taking my hand. I gave him a weird look. What? Who the fuck are you? I asked him. He stared at me for a long moment and sighed. I'm your older brother, dumbass. He smiled. Do you remember our father? I shook my head. It doesn't matter. He's downstairs in the gift shop. He peered at my face closely. He said you might have brain damage, and your vision shot. I nodded slowly. Well, shit. Dad's gonna see what he can do to keep you in uniform long enough to heal up. He doesn't want you to be put out over this. The other man told me. He looked serious for a moment. Do you remember our mother? He asked. Nasty, vile, dirty, useless little boy. I flinched. Yeah. His tone was serious, along with his expression. Why couldn't you have lost her instead of me? He shook himself and then smiled. Ah, I got good news. She didn't see a reason to fly to Germany just because you're in the hospital. He looked at me and shook his head, his face serious. What the hell happened, Aunt? I shrugged. Eleven dead, man. And you don't remember anything? He asked. Eleven? I asked. Who? Holy shit, your voice does work. He smiled and was serious again. Two MPs went to check on you. The MP wagon was crushed against the barracks. The CQ found butchered. He was watching my face closely. SPC Lewis, who died of an embolism from his legs. SPC Jacobs, from someone taking an axe to him. And they still haven't found Hewitt or Daniels or the lieutenant's body. They only found the lieutenant's car up at the motor pool, but no trace of them. They're officially listed as lost and presumed dead by misadventure in the reports. He was silent for a moment. You really don't remember, he said, taking my hand again. Goddamn, little brother. You gotta quit getting your ass kicked. The lieutenant. I nodded, thinking fast. You're lucky that girlfriend of yours took those correspondence courses. He told me, reaching back down to take my hand. She pretty much saved you an SPC bomber. I nodded again. Goddamn asshole enlisted puke. Don't worry, man. Nuremberg Army Hospital does good work. He let go of my hand and touched his eye patch. I'll sit with you. He took my hand again. Don't worry. It's not like you were a big talker when we were growing up. Thanks. I said. I found I actually meant it. He was comforting, and his name tag had the same name and initial as mine. Our middle initials were different, though. Still, he felt familiar.
and having him there made me feel safe. Together we sat in the silence, me and the total stranger, waiting on another total stranger. I wanted Nancy and Palmer. The Texas night was clear and bright, stars shining down. My right arm was in an immobilizer, and the glasses on my face felt weird. The cigarette felt good, the nicotine washing away the nagging pains that had bothered me. Balmer stood next to me, Nancy on the other. We all stared at the sky. Fuck second of the 19th, Nancy said suddenly, breaking the silence of the windy Texas night. My Nancy. What do you think happened to him? Balmer asked, his voice soft in the Texas night. Behind us, the lights burned brightly in his parents' house. I don't know, Nancy said, snuggling up to me. I'd been blind when they'd carried me out. Balmer had been delirious from fever and infection. But Nagel had just been in shock, sedated like Hernandez and Carter. Carter had fought with the rangers, and they'd had to disarm him by force. They'd carried him out screaming, strapped down to the stretcher. She'd looked over to where she'd chopped up the asshole building the snowman, wanting to gloat over the fact that she'd gotten him back for stabbing her through the breast and cutting her face, for breaking Lewis's legs, for rupturing John's appendix, for breaking my skull. The snow had been pink, indented. He was gone. Nancy had admitted she'd screamed until they loaded her onto the medevac, until they'd shot her full of drugs. Tandy gets hungry, I think, I answered. The feeling of the icy talon pressing into my wound, then withdrawing, following by a lewd sucking sound. And I shivered and Nancy hugged me. The scar on her face was thin and pink. Plastic surgery had done wonders. They'd fixed my face, fixed my teeth, but I needed glasses. Bomber had bounced back in record time. All of us had suffered from frostbite. Niggle's toes were bad, and they'd cut away my earlobes. Bomber, of course, was fine. Texas fuck. Out in the darkness, a cow mooed, and a dog barked. Fuck second of the 19th. Nagel said again. Fuck second of the 19th. Balmer and I agreed. Fuck second of the 19th. For more information, including pictures and videos of the stories told on this podcast, or to suggest stories for future episodes, please visit us at CreepyPod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or email us at creepypod at gmail.com. All stories told on this podcast can be found at creepypastawikia.com and are protected by a Creative Commons license, some rights reserved unless otherwise stated. Item number SCP-5186 SCP-7160 SCP-7533 
Object class. Euclid. Keter. Safe. Special containment procedures. <laughs> Spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust. <laughs> the only thing I could hear was 7219 <laughs> laughing. Do you remember your name? Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.